When it's spelling bee time at Bear Country School, the pressure builds up and it's hard to keep cool. Welcome back to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bear cast. I'm your host, Phil Gonzalez, and it's still a spooky time of season. We're still talking about Halloween. So whatever's the reason for no Halloween this week? Why no Halloween this week? Because I forgot that October has five weekends, and I wasn't planning on a five-book trip through Halloween. So we're skipping ahead. We're jumping ahead. We're leaping forward a few books uh, on our timeline because I just, I don't, because, okay, we're, 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 li- we're at a little bit of an impasse with the chapter books. I have got four big chapter books to cover that I am not in any position to cover right now. I've got a Valentine book to cover that I don't care to cover at this moment. I've got a book that I can't get my hands on. I've got a book that has been kind of like forgotten about, lost to the sands of time that is going to like it, there's a whole it's, it's it's a drama behind that book. Uh, I've got a book that is very expensive. I just don't want to spend the money on. I've got a book that's waiting downstairs to cover, but it's longer and more involved than I care to talk about right now. I've got a Christmas book that I would kind of like to wait for Christmas, and I've got a book about going on vacation. And I really don't feel like talking about going on vacation because I'm not going to do that anytime soon. Uh, the next book on the list is about death, and let's avoid that one. So we've landed on 2007's The Berenstain Bears and the Big spelling bee and uh yeah so spelling bees spelling bees spelling bees how did those bees well how they learn how to spell well spelling bees are a unique form of competition that are mostly common in english speaking communities so not just america but england uh it's many colonies and where other places around the world and the reason for this is that English is one of those languages that is comprised of so many different sources and has so many weird variants of spellings for different phonetic sounds that it's a competition. Like it's a, it's it's a it's a trial just to try to spell something correctly, even non-competitively. And be, m- many languages, most languages in the world, have a standardized form of spelling when they have spelling at all. Meaning, one sound is always represented by one letter, or one con or one uh, a syllable is always represented by one symbol and but in English it's all over the place you never know from from one moment to the next when something's going to be silent when something's going to be pronounced the opposite of the way it's spelled when a spelling rule will suddenly be invalid because the word comes from a different derivation spell English spelling is all over the place it's something people complain about but it's also a symbol of the fact that English is this well it's one of the actual kind of welcoming parts of the English-speaking world uh, we can be very standoffish and exclusionary when it comes to other things, but the language, English language, just sort of folds in terms and phrases and meanings just from all from all different cultures. It's it's the true melting pot, if you will, uh, in the world, the, the English language. It, but, but that leads to confusion because of the variant, variations in spelling, the variations in pronunciations, and makes English language spelling bees very, very extraordinarily difficult, especially once you get into the more obscure words that people don't tend to spell all the time. Why do we call them bees? That's an, another interesting... So 
the con the con the concept of a spelling competition is is actually very old and when by the time they started being referred to as spelling bees they were already considered old fashioned in fact the term spelling bee according to merriam webster used to be always prefaced or modified with the term old fashioned they'd be like ugh the old fashioned spelling bee and that was like in the in the mid 50s so by the time the 1950s rolled around people were already rolling their eyes at the notion of spelling competitions now merriam webster also lists uh, other things other terms for the spelling bee things that the spelling bee was called before it was called a spelling bee uh, trials in spelling spelling school spelling match spelling fight spelling combat which is my personal favorite and spell down which sounds like a nickelodeon game show that would only last for half of the season but why are they called bees uh b-e-e why would we ever call a spelling bee a spelling bee what does it have to do with the insect the bee it has absolutely nothing to do with the insect the bee another one of those fun things about the english language uh, it actually comes from the middle english word bene i, I assume i'm pronouncing that properly I, I i know that that's how you pronounce it in other languages uh Bene, which is uh, a benefit or a favor. It's where we get the word boon from. So I don't, I, and I, I don't know how that works. I don't know how bene becomes boon or bean becomes boon. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. But you, so you get this, this idea of a blessing, a benefit, a favor. And so things that used to be referred to as bees were things where members of the community would come together to achieve uh, a common goal or to help someone out. That's the benefit. That's the favor. Uh, hence, a quilting bee uh, or, or, uh, or a husking bee or a raising bee. That's when farmers and neighbors, particularly from disparate communities where people were a little more spread out, sort of made it a point to come together and do something for the benefit of the community or the benefit of one of the members of their community. And then, of course, it just sort of became people doing something together. And that's kind of where we got spelling a bee from. Just we're all in it. To, we're all trying to get the same thing out of this. So we'll just call this a bee. It's a spelling bee. Uh, there are also some racist forms of bees and horrific forms of bees that I will not be mentioning. But just bear in mind that they had to do with America's incredibly racist and violent past. But yes, these events were also referred to as bees because it was just sort of a catch-all term for a general gathering of the community for a particular reason, no matter how horrific that reason may have been. So by the 1950s, by the late 1950s, we had been calling these things uh, spelling bees for quite a while. In fact, spelling bee competitions, a national spelling bee competition started in, uh, in 1925. That was when the first national spelling bee in Washington, D.C. occurred. And uh, by the 1941, the Scripps Howard News Service started sponsoring it and became the Scripps Howard National Spelling Bee, which was then called the Scripps Spelling Bee. And I think that's what we still call it to this day. Uh, and that was, of course, among children. But there's there's national spelling bees among different groups of people. There's even a senior spelling bee that started in the mid '90s, so uh, sponsored by uh, AARP. So you know, there's just there's just there's all kinds of spelling bees. And this isn't to say that English language spelling bees are the only uh, spelling bees. There are there are spelling bees in all languages. It's just that it sort of became very very competitive and very popular early on in the English language uh, in the English speaking world. But yeah, I mean, the, the, like I said, they've been they've been doing it. It looks like. Uh, uh, it was Noah Webster's spelling books that inspired that, and that was in the late 18th century. So this goes back. So it's one of those weird things that actually has 
unlike things like square dancing that we do in school that we know like was a was a 20th century invention which had extremely racist origins look up the history of square dancing if you want to know why square dancing is one of the most racist things they ever introduced into public schools uh, unlike square dancing which was sort of like formalized and codified for weird reasons that pretended to have uh sort of this like long long tradition not that square dancing doesn't have a long long tradition i'm talking about the uh the the practice of doing it in schools uh doesn't actually have as long a tradition as people think it does uh the spelling bee does it just it just goes it goes way back and so of course the the bears themselves are going to participate in the spelling bee now this book is from 2007 so of course it had the participation of stan and jan but also uh mike uh jan is listed as the illustrator on this one but I see some Mikeisms in the faces here, and in the mouths, and in the in the in the in the head shape. I see some definite Mike influence. So even though Jan is officially listed as the illustrator, I'm going to assume this one had a lot of a lot of Mike's influence. Also considering it's 2007, he was doing a lot around that time. So what is the plot then of the Berenstain Bears and the Spelling Bee? And uh, what do we learn about Bear, Bear Town, a Bear Country school from this? Well, we do learn that Sister Bear is quite a writer or and reader, but primarily a writer. She loves to write her own stories, her own fairy tales once upon a time. Once, not once upon a time. Once there were three chipmunks. Their names were Acorn, Peanut, and we don't know. We don't find out what the other chipmunk was named. But she's writing a story about uh, chipmunks. And we also find out she's a really good speller. Uh, and it sort of takes us through what is required to be a good speller. And I love that they, that they present this because okay so if you ever watched a documentary about spelling bees or you've ever read about spelling bees or competitive spellers in general you know that spelling isn't just a matter of rote memorization it's it's a matter of sort of like tapping into a part of your brain uh, that doesn't typically get a lot of workout during during your your average day uh, and it's also about familiarizing yourselves with the words the way words work uh, the way words are put together and to sort of like subsume them into part of your personality so in a sense uh, there's many ways to become a good speller and one of those ways involves just memorizing the spelling of words and we see a bear a young cub memorizing words like assembly equivalent uh, recognize diligent occupation consistent behavior and I like that they use these words as examples because these are words that a young child a young cub might have trouble spelling on their first second or third try i know that i frequently misspelled diligent uh thank you very much it is uh, and, and equivalent uh not consistent though i am fairly con consistent with that one uh and but the other but it says the other way to, to become a good speller is to just let the words seep into your brain by being a good reader and i really like that uh, seeing the words in action is a good way to learn their function, their use, and their spelling, because then your brain starts recognizing when things are out of place. You start identifying misspellings, and that's a good way to know that your brain is automatically familiar with how words are spelled without even without even needing to think about it. Uh, so, and we see Sister reading um, reading a book, uh, and all these words sort of soaking into her head. And I really like the layout. So you have there's the cub studying the words and she's looking at lists of words on paper, and the words are sort of surrounding her head. And you see Sister reading a book. Uh, it is Anne of Bear Gables, by the way. Uh, I don't. Bear is not a, a color, but okay. Uh, and there is a a not not it's a it's a it's a it's an arrow that is drawn coming out of the book in a question mark shape above her head. But the arrow is 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 thick. It has mass, and within the arrow are words: parallel, capable, entertain, recovery, assemble, calculus, congrat, congrat, 
congratulation. What is congratulation? Congratulation. Is congratulation a word? Congratulation. Is congratulation a word? I don't think a congratulation is a word. Congratulation. It comes up congratulation. Congratulation is I guess it's when you see congratulations and the 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 cross through the T goes too far and it crosses the L. That's called a congratulation. Uh, but this word is in Sister's book. I assume maybe it's just a problem with the illustration. But it says congratulation. Uh, satisfy uh, graduation envelope conversation. Elusive fortunate participate delegate. Uh, yeah. So Sister is Sister is a reader, and that is another way you can become a good speller. It's simply to familiarize your brain with the words. Now. The previous year, there had been a spelling bee at Bear Country School, and this girl named Gwen, this young cub named Gwen, had won the big school spelling bee, and people would just thought she was a shoe in for this year. She's a proud first place winner. Uh, the spelling bee was, uh, she had won first place, Gwen Bearson. Uh, second place was a young cub named Bob Grizzly. Third place was Lizzie Bruin, and fourth place was Sister Bear. So we know that Sister's good. She's not top three good, not at this point, at least as of last year. But so people expected Gwen to be the shoe-in for, for this year. But then uh, what happened is is unexpected. Uh, first, they have class, class level spelling bees, uh, which involves, okay, so this is where my personal history of spelling bees comes in. So um, the, all the students in the class have to stand up and the teacher sort of quizzes them with their words. You know, it's a, it's a class -wide, classroom wide spelling bee. Um, and they're given a bunch of hard words uh, and finally, it's just Gwen and sister who are left standing. Um, and then what happens is uh, teacher Jane gives them the word treachery. She defines it for them. And Gwen misspells uh, treachery. She leaves out the A. She misspells treachery. And she is stunned that she got the word incorrect. And then sister spells it correctly and is thrilled. She won the class spelling bee. Um and so, so then the next level is the, the school spelling bee. So my personal experience with this is, is every year we had to do the class spelling bee. And if you wanted to do well in it, you studied. If you didn't, you didn't. But I was a pretty good speller in elementary school. I don't remember what year this was. I think it was fourth. It may have been fifth. In any case, we all had to stand up and participate in, in, the, spelling, in the spelling competition. So it goes around a couple of rounds, and I'm left standing. There's a, I mean, I'm, I'm not one of the last ones, but I'm, I'm, I'm in the like probably the upper 25th percentile. And the spelling comes back around to me, Phil, Philip, they called me at the time. Your word is minstrel. And as anyone who follows spelling bees knows, you can ask for a definition uh, if you or use the word in a sentence. I did not. I knew how to spell minstrel and I spelled it M-E-N-S-T-R-U-A-L. Uh, I had seen the word. I did not know what the word meant, but I had seen it spelled and my teacher sort of looked at me and then she said, um, next time ask for its use in a sentence because she had meant travel like a traveling minstrel, like a person who plays music from town to town, not menstrual, uh, which has other meanings. And that's my only experience with spelling bee. I missed it on the word minstrel, which if I had known, I probably would have spelled correctly. So sister's getting congratulated from all sides. Gwen is upset that she did not win, but sister now finds out that she's going to participate in the school spelling bee the next week in the auditorium. And she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, I'm in, I'm in soccer. I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm just junior varsity, but I'm part of the team and we have a practice that day. And the teacher's like, look, there's going to be other soccer practices, but there's only one spelling bee. So you're not going to get another chance at this. So uh, shut your mouth and come to the spelling bee. She doesn't say it that way, but, uh, but she makes it clear that this is, this is a big deal and that sister's not going to get another chance at it. 
Sister's now in a little bit of a bind because she's a competitive bear. We all know that Sister is a very competitive young bear, but she also knows that she has an obligation to her team. So she's, the story already is going places I wasn't expecting it to go. And I like that. Like, it's not just about the competitive nature. It, it, it sets itself up that it's going to be about, you know, you know, tampering your your expectations and don't get too competitive. But it, it's also about this obligation that Sister has. She's already a competitive bear and she's proud of her abilities, but she knows that she owes it to her team to practice hard. So she she goes to the playground, uh, says she has a jump rope, a jump rope date with Lizzie and Jill. Uh, so they meet outside the playground and they're jumping rope and they have a talk with sister about what just went on in the class and sister's feelings about it. Now, again, sister is a uh, sister is a little taken aback that this the people are making this big of a deal about the spelling competition. And she says to her friends, I, you know, like, it's cool that I'm that I made it to the school spelling bee, but I, I'm going to miss soccer practice. And again, we hear this thing like there's going to be a lot of soccer practices. And sister's like, I know, but there's only, I know there's only one school spelling bee. And I know it's a, kind of a big deal, but soccer practice. So she gets home and she tells her parents about it. And of course, Papa gets disproportionately excited about it. And he t- it brags on how he was the best speller at the school when he was a cub. And uh, and if she wins this one, then she gets to go to the all-school spelling bee in Big Bear City, which, of course, is a big deal for Papa. And maybe not necessarily for Sister, but this puts another, like, sort of sour note in Sister's uh, experience because she's like, wait a minute. If I keep winning, I'm going to have to keep competing, and that's going to get in the way. But, of course, Papa doesn't listen to her. He gets overexcited about sister maybe winning. Of course, it's Papa Bear, so he loves to live vicariously through his children. Mama warns him, don't get carried away. And he's like, look, I'm not going to get carried away. I'm not going to put too much pressure on sister. You can't pressure sister too much. She's tough as a nut. She takes after me. And Mama's like, oh, boy, this isn't going to end well, is it? So Papa goes up to the attic, and he gets a bunch of his old vocabulary lists from school, the ones he studied, because he's definitely going to try to live vicariously through sister. Sister's friends come over to play, but Papa's like, nope, we've got to study for this spelling bee. And so he starts grilling sister on vocabulary words. Uh, destitute, uh, without money or property, which sister, of course, spells. Upper, uh, paramount, which, of course, sister spells where. Uh, prehistoric, which, of course, sister spells where. But, well, but what I love is that they show sister uh, destitute, paramount, and prehistoric and she's imagining uh sort of a uh, uh, a man wearing tatters and rags she pictures a king and she pictures a caveman and what's interesting about this is that it shows not maybe not even deliberately but it shows that spelling isn't simply a matter again of rote memorization sister is building what is in essence a memory palace she is constructing a a series of visual cues for these words in her mind which is part of spelling which is part of forging connections in her brain that you wouldn't think have anything to do with spelling a word because these are more about concepts and ideas until you realize that words are really concepts and ideas words are essentially like numbers they don't actually exist a word is not a thing a word is a word is the pictorial representation of 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 sound and is not the thing it represents it could be anything we chose to apply this meaning to this word and this this random group of sounds like it already evolved that way and uh, you know words evolved over time spellings evolved over time and then we tried to cement them with with spelling guides and dictionaries so forging a connection between this sort of abstract group of symbols and the meaning is maybe important in remembering how those symbols uh, cooperate and work together. She, again, this is Sister's Memory Palace, and it's it's cool that they sort of show her doing this. She has to she has to picture these things in order to spell the words correctly. So the day of the spelling bee comes up. We've got a huge turnout. Of course, every student in the school is watching, but also every parent of every student in the school. 
We see a shot of the crowd. There are headbands aplenty. We see Mama and Papa with Honey Bear. We see sister and we see brother and cousin Fred with uh, his parents. We see a bunch of other cubs that could be that's not lizzie that could be queenie mcbear i don't know is that barry bruin is that the bruins we definitely see who looks like grizzly gramps and gran sitting on the end of the same row as the bear family i don't know why they're not sitting with them that's definitely grizzly gramps grizzly gran but on the they're not at the very end there is a seat on the very end they are not occupying that is occupied by a young cub a young female cub it would seem because she's wearing a headband uh not a not a queenie mcbear headband but a uh sort of like sabrina the teenage witch headband Uh, and she's wearing glasses i don't know who this young cub is is it trudy brunowitz who knows but why is she sitting with grizzly gramps and grizzly gran who also knows could it be that she needs to be able to make a hasty exit if she has to throw up Again, who knows? But uh, so we see Sister as she is on the stage uh, with one, two, three, four, five, six, six other cubs. Um, and that uh, it looks like the principal is up there. Is he the one who is? Is, is the principal the one who is conducting this spelling bee? Um, yes, Mr. Honeycomb, the school principal, is giving out the words. And these words are like tragedy, disaster, impossible, ridiculous, ludicrous. And they are one after the other misspelled. And I love the way it is representing these words being misspelled. We have a bunch of disgruntled-looking cubs, obviously the misspellers. Uh, and, uh, and over their heads are the words tragedy, impossible, disaster, ridiculous, and ludicrous. But they're all misspelled. Now, they are misspelled far more exaggeratedly than I believe a child would actually misspell them especially a child that's made it to the school-wide competition so ludicrous is l-o-o-d-i-c-r-i-s-s ridiculous is r-e-d-i-c-u-l-e-s-s like that but each word is shown exploding it says words were like rockets going off and exploding into bad spelling and we actually see that represented these words are uh exploding like fireworks or in like the midst of fireworks each one gets its own particular type of firework and it's just it's a really dynamic image and i i applaud the berenstains for 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 this layout Uh, this book is actually a pretty cool nice looking book i love the way it uses it uses the illustrations to demonstrate uh, what what the act of spelling and misspelling is like. So finally, we get down to sister and a fifth grade boy. It does not give the fifth grade boy a name. It just calls him the fifth grader. And Mr. Honeycomb says, all right, vicarious, taking undue pleasure from the achievements of others. And the fifth grader really misspells vicarious, V-I-C-C-A-R-I-E-S-S, vicarious. He just totally blows it. He blows it. He blows his shot. Does not does not live up to the 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 intense pressure that his parents probably put him under. So he gets it wrong. And Mr. Honeycomb turns to sister and says, "Vicarious, taking undue pleasure from the achievements of others." And this is where Papa Bear realizes that taking undue pleasure from the achievements of others is exactly what he's been doing. And he gets sheepish and sweaty out in the audience. He realizes he's been putting way too much pressure on Sister. And we see him flashing back through the events of the book, uh, him leading Sister away from her friends, him digging out his old notes from the attic, and him celebrating. I mean, it doesn't look like he's doing anything too terrible, but he's... I think that that's, and I I think if he had been shown being mean or more of a taskmaster, it would have kind of defeated the purpose of this because what we're seeing is Papa Bear realizing that even his great enthusiasm is him attempting to do something that maybe Sister isn't completely down with. So 
he gets sheepish and he gets a little cowed by his own actions. And this isn't being thrown in his face either. This is something he has put together for himself. Good for you, Papa. Uh, so Mr. Honeycomb repeats the word for sister. She thinks about it a little bit. And now it is sister's turn to spell. She says vicarious. V-I-C-A-R-I-O-U-S. Vicarious. And sister is the winner. She wins. She's going to be going to the all-school spelling bee at Big Bear City. Everyone is thrilled for her. And Mama says, well, I think we I think we deserve a little victory celebration. Let's go to the Burger Bear and have a have a victory snack. But sister looks a little subdued. And so does Papa. Papa's a little subdued as well. Uh and sister's mostly just lost in thought. She's 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 quiet. And she finally turns to Papa and she says, and I like the way she puts this, I don't know how to say this and I don't want to disappoint you, but I don't want to go to the all school spelling bee in Big Bear City. I just want to go to school, play soccer and do things with my friends. And this is a big, this is a big step. This is a big step for sister and it's a big step for Papa because he says, first of all, you can't disappoint me. I'm very proud of you for having the courage to stand up for yourself. Tell you what, why don't you just take off and play with your friends? And she does. And she says, "I may I? I love you, Papa. And she runs off. And what I love about this exchange is that Sister A doesn't wait until the last minute to tell anyone this. She acknowledges that it's a hard thing to say. And she acknowledges that Papa's feelings are kind of wound up in her actions, uh, however fair that may be or not. Uh, she says, I don't know how to say this, and I don't want to disappoint you, but I don't want to go to the all-school spelling bee in Big Bear City. And another thing that Sister Bear does is she does not apologize for her feelings. She just says, I know this is I know this might be disappointing. She acknowledges Papa Bear's feelings, but also she says, I don't want to do this. I want to go to school, I want to play soccer, and I want to do things with my friends. She doesn't do this before the competition. She gives it a shot and she tries her hardest. And Papa says, you could never disappoint. And that's great. She said, you know, because she said, I'm, I, I know this might be a disappointment. And he's like, no, 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 no. You can never disappoint me. And then he says, I'm proud of you for having the courage to stand up for yourself, which is an acknowledgement that sister is actually standing up to Papa. And we don't stand up to people who we feel like we're on equal footing with. We stand up to people who are in one way or another oppressing us, who are in one way or another uh, trying to control us, trying to keep our desires uh, subordinate to theirs. And in order to acknowledge that, in order to confront that, you do have to step up and stand up for yourself. And sister does that. For a parent to say your request was brave because you stood up to me is Papa acknowledging that he was being a bit of a bully, that he was being a bit of a of a of an oppressive figure to sister. He was going beyond the bounds of parenting. He was doing something that did not equal educating his child. He was doing something that was instead for his own purposes, which was trying to make sister into something he wished he could have been living vicariously through her. And even though she stands to benefit from being a better speller, from that maybe a healthy competition there in her future, uh, I don't think being a, a spelling bee champion would be detrimental to her happiness in the long run. He acknowledges that that's not for her. 
that she has wishes and desires and places she wants to put her energy that don't involve something that he's passionate about. And he says, forget it. You don't have to do it. Uh, I guess that fifth grade boy is going to go in your place. Why don't you just go off and, and go play with your friends? She runs off and then brother's like, do I have to go to the Burger Bear? I want to go hang out with cousin Fred. And Papa's like, go do it. And Papa turns to Mama. He's like, do you want to go to the Burger Bear? And she's like, let's just go home and have a cup of tea. And the last shot is Mama and Papa at home. Honey Bear is there too, sipping tea, eating cookies. And it says, and that's what they did. No fuss, no muss. We got a tale of a spelling bee competition, but also a great story of a child standing up to her parents, not because they were doing something cruel, not because their parent was doing something mean or self-consciously selfish, but because the parent was doing what parents can do. I know we can do it. I know any of us who are parents can do it, which is sort of bulldoze over our child's feelings, bulldoze over our child's desires in the name of no, 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 no. This is going to be great. You just trust me. You're going to love it. And to an extent, as a parent, there is there is that. You do have to do that at times. You do have to say, Look, you may not want to do this, but you got to do this. Or I, I, I am 99% sure that at the end of the day, you're going to come out on top in this and you're going to actually really love this. But that there are other times when you've got to say, I don't want this for you. I want this for me. And that's not really fair. And maybe it's time to, maybe it's time to let it go. And that's, and that's what Papa does. This is the Berenstain Bears and the Spelling Bee. But it's really the Berenstain Bears and Papa and Sister Bears relationship. And I really love it. I mean, I think this is a... I think this is a very good book. It's what, you know, people in my situation might call a latter-day Berenstain Bears book. It was written 13 years ago, or published 13 years ago. But it doesn't matter. It's it's a this is a strong. This is as this is a this is a book that does something that the earlier books didn't do, which is subtly address the relationship between the parent and the child in a in not in a in a misbehavior discipline way, not in a I have I'm going to wait for you to misbehave and I'll teach you a lesson kind of way, but in a we are we are not equals. I am your parent, but that involves a lot of responsibility on my side too. Responsibility for your feelings, acknowledgement of your feelings. So yes, the Berenstain Bears and the Big Spelling Bee from 2007. It's a HarperCollins publication. That's right. We are well into the HarperCollins world now. I'll be going back and touching on some of those final chapter books that we missed once the Halloween season is over. Maybe once the holiday season is over because there's a lot of holiday books coming up. I got a, I got a stack of Thanksgiving books. I may be going a little out of order now. Now that we're in the HarperCollins world and with a lot more crossover with the Zondervan, Zondervan, Zonder Kids world, the Living Light series, I may be jumping around and lumping things a little more thematically than doing them chronologically uh, because uh, I think that's a little more interesting and I mean, maybe not, maybe I'll stick, try to doing things chronologically, but I have a bunch of Thanksgiving books that I really have to talk about. Thanksgiving's coming up and there's a lot of Christmas stuff out there and I don't know if I can wait every single year before I touch on them. And it does feel weird to do a Christmas book in like April. So we will, uh, I'll be, I'll be looking at that. Also, uh, maybe looking at some of that religious stuff I promised before the pandemic hit and everything went to heck. So yeah, it's, it's, it's a big deal. Uh, I'm a little behind on a lot of things right now because at this moment I actually have 
four podcasts going. That's right. In addition to Deep in Bear Country, a Berenstain Bearcast, which you can find at berenstainbearcast.org or on Twitter at bstainbearcast or on patreon.com forward slash deep in bear country if you want to throw some money my way because these books don't come cheap. You can find me at my other podcasts. I have one called It's Del Toro Time, which has absolutely nothing to do with Guillermo del Toro anymore that I do with my older child, Willow. We, do, we are now discussing the book, The Dark Descent by David G. Hartwell. It's a collection of horror short stories. So if you want to hear me and my 19-year-old, gosh, I'm getting old, uh, discussing the horror stories uh, and horror stories going back to like the days of Nathaniel Hawthorne all the way through modern times. Uh, give that a listen. It's it's not the, you know, we're not literary experts, but we have a good time and I, I, it's me hanging out with my teenager. And of course, Willow's been on the show many times. I also have a podcast called Pizza Toast. It's a Babysitter's Club podcast that I do with frequent guests of the show, Christy Admiral, where we discussed the Babysitter's Club TV series from Netflix, we are about to begin discussing the Babysitter's Club TV series from 1990, the HBO series that a lot of you guys uh, watched. So if you want to hear uh, me and Christy just talk about the Babysitter's Club and basically just have a good time being friends, uh, tune into that. Pizza Toast, it's getting back on the off, taking, taking, taking off once again this week. But also... John McCoy and I are, are are picking back up where we left off with uh, Click It Cast, the Beverly Cleary podcast. Uh, we are finishing it up with Beverly Cleary's uh, two memoirs, A Girl from Yam Hill and On My Own Two Feet, which I think are gonna I think are gonna finish up the series. So uh, yeah, uh, tune in to Click It Cast. Uh, the the latest episode on that should be dropping fairly soon if it hasn't already by the time this goes out. But thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for everything. I'm gonna try to get something up on Patreon. Patreon this week. So if you're a subscriber there, tune into Patreon. Uh, and if you aren't a subscriber, consider it. If for as little as a dollar a month, you get access to a whole different feed that has uh, bonus episodes on it, little bonus outtakes, excerpts, stuff that I didn't put online here. I discuss some of the cartoons. I discuss uh, some of the board books, uh, just weird ephemera and things like that. So tune into that. And I will see you all next time deep in Bear Country.